0: I love that song and I can tell you as someone who participated in the healing service here yesterday that that song is so much more than just a children's song, but it's one that stays in our heart with us no matter how old we are. I got to tell you what I also love and that's holidays. I love holidays. I've got a list of 52 holidays right here. I'm going to read through them. Woo when it's your favorite. Maybe you like Christmas. Maybe you like Easter. Maybe you like Thanksgiving. Maybe you're a Halloween kind of guy. Flag Day could be your thing. St. Patty's Day. Single Day Mayo. I mean, I could go on and on, but for the sake of time, I will not. I love them all. But this past Easter, something hit me. At what point did certain holidays have multiple places where you had to be on for that holiday? Because i got to tell you, it's a lot easier in my house to plan what we're going to do for George Washington's birthday day than it is for Christmas. On Christmas, my wife and I, we got to block out about three hours' worth of our time. We pull out our day planner, our agenda. We sit there and we say, okay, we're going to have breakfast at my folks. We'll do lunch at your folks. Let's do have appetizers at your brother's house. We'll get back in the car, go to my grandma's for dinner. Um, Maybe we could do dessert at our own house. You know what? we got a couple hours here in the morning. Let's do an early morning coffee at our friend's house. And then somewhere in there, let's plan going to church and, of course, opening presents. I don't know when that all began. And I'm not saying that it's not bad, because I like and I love all those people that we get to go see, and I'm cruising around in a Civic, so I'm living in the lap of luxury. It's got air conditioning and everything. I just wonder how it all got started. And then I got the text for today. And I've read the Emmaus story many a time, but for some reason I did not catch that it was that same day. It was. The resurrection Easter Sunday morning that this took place, which means, my fellow sleuths, that Jesus was the first person to do multiple visits on an Easter Sunday on the holidays. (laughs) Dr. Heidi, I thought we talked about playing the Sherlock Holmes song on the organ at this point. No, I guess not. All right, well, then I'm just going to move on. Because, I mean, you saw Jesus. He's at the tomb. Then he's with Mary in the garden. It says that he visits Peter, though we don't get the specifics of that story. He's got to the dudes on the road to Emmaus, and he makes that appearance to the disciples in the upper room, minus Thomas. But let's move on. Let's just examine the text for this Easter gathering. And what I want to look at today is the two responses by the disciples, the response by Jesus, and then their reaction. And so we pick up with them walking. Why? We're not sure. I came up with some clever ideas. Maybe maybe they were trying to get away. Maybe they were just getting some steps in on their Fitbit. We're not real sure why. But we do know what was said. And Jesus asks, what were you talking about to them? And you've got to remember, they don't know it's him. They've been kept from recognizing him. And upon that question, they give their first response. And their first response is to stop. To become still. With their faces downcast, hard word to translate. There, the 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 meaning is a look of sadness, a look of sullenness, a look of gloominess. And they stop, and they give a response that sounds somewhat sarcastic, something like, "Bro, are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's going on?" You got to remember, this is this is Passover here. For this holiday. And this is the day where everybody goes home. And if you're not familiar with what it might look like, think about the 91 on a Friday, you leaving work early. You know what? No, no, no. It's heavier than that. Think that it's a four-day weekend at St. John's. You took the Friday off. You went to the river. You partied Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And you're like, you know what? We didn't get up in enough time. You got to come back on a Monday. It's that kind of traffic. Or... If you actually do sit in that traffic, you know, like, dude, that's every single day. The 91 is the worst. But that's how many people are leaving, and they cannot believe that this one guy could be a part of that and not know what's going on. But Jesus asks them, what things? And we get to their second response, which isn't any better. You see, they give an answer with the facts and the information. They they think they know, but they don't really know what's going on. And it's kind of funny to think that these are two guys talking to, talking to Jesus about what had happened to Jesus. And so they give their response the second one, and it's just so bad. I mean, listen to what they say. What things he asked about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They call Jesus a prophet. Compare him to say someone like Elijah, but nothing more. And they say that he's dead. It's a response that has elements of what they know and what's in their heart as well. It basically says, we expected this, but this is what we got. You see, their head and their heart were aligned to their expectations. And when that happens, it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing because of what expectations are and what expectations can do. Expectations are when we demand exactly what we want to happen regardless of what is actually happening. And the disciples are pretty good at this. When Jesus says the Son of Man must die, they stop him and say, no, no, Jesus, you're not gonna die. Stop talking like that. And you know how Jesus responds to Peter. You see, expectations make you frozen and rigid and unable to change because they're based on previous experiences. Expectations are what lead Nicodemus to say, how can this be? Expectations are what lead the rich young man to come to Jesus and say, all these laws I've kept since I was a boy, what must I do now? And Jesus says, leave your wealth, and he goes away sad. Expectations infect us and they inhibit us. We're unable to give them up and they have this control over our head and our heart. And with their expectations crushed, these two disciples on the road to Emmaus, it's no wonder that they withdrew and that they left. No wonder that they were shocked, discouraged, feeling like it was all maybe a waste of time and respond in a half-hearted way filled with wrong understanding and doubt as they say, it's the third day and some women said that he had risen, but the disciples went and we didn't see him. And their expectations have them stuck by only what they can see. It's as if the life, the joy, the hope, the truth, the peace is hidden from them and they can't even see what's right in front of them. And I've been there. Maybe you have too from expectations. Been blinded by them, given them the power over your mind and your heart. Eventually become overcome with fear, doubt, and have that desire to withdraw because of expectations. But in the text today, our risen Lord will have none of that. Listen to what he says when he says, How foolish you are. How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah, the Christ, not the prophet, have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then he opens their minds. You see, their head and their hearts needed to be realigned to be aligned not to their expectations, but aligned to faith in the living Christ. A faith that leads to hope, and to hope is to wish or to desire for something to happen. To have hope is to be flexible. And hope, it admits reality, but doesn't resign itself to the circumstances of the moment. And in Jesus Christ, we can hope for more than what we know or what we see, or as Paul says in Ephesians, far more than we could ever ask or imagine. For hope in Christ doesn't have a standing still. Rather, hope in Christ makes us alive. And listen to what the words do. The next happens, the disciples urge him to stay. When he reveals himself to them in the bread, their hearts are burning and they rise up and run. Remember, it took all day to get to Emmaus, but they sure ran pretty fast to get back there that night. And that's what Jesus' words do. That's what Jesus' presence does. Because Jesus' words are more than facts and information. Today, knowledge can sometimes be seen as someone has a big jug of knowledge and you come with your cup and they pour it in and you leave with some stuff. You leave feeling good. But in Jesus' time, the role was to influence the life of the hearer. And Jesus' words are more than just stuff we know, but they impact our life's flow. For his words are words of spirit and life. Spirit because we are spiritual beings living in physical bodies, and His words speak to our souls. His words are life because His words don't just get written down or stored on our iPhone. Rather, His words live in us and through us. And the gospel, the saving, redeeming work of Christ, aligns our heart and our head so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, life, abundant life, can take place. A life that is more than just understanding forgiveness of sins and eternal life, but a life that rises up, runs following Jesus. Following as those who are imperishable, who through the living Christ will live by His power, who even though they once looked through eyes of expectation, eyes of worry, anxiety, or fear, now have their eyes opened and see the world through eyes of faith and hope and confidence faith in the one who is as first peter says was chosen before the creation of the world who came into the world to ransom his children through his blood and who now in new life walks with us he doesn't just bop in for the holidays but every moment of every step of our lives young and old he is there with us And his words of life and spirit burn in our hearts like a spark and begin to move out into our words and into our hands as we love one another, as we raise our families in that faith and love, as we interlock our fingers and pray for one another, as we help one another, as we encourage one another, as we live our lives together as his people. For faith in Jesus Christ does away with paralyzing expectation and instead gives life changing hope. Amen. Amen.